Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Life sucks and then you die. There are several variations of this popular cynical adage. Examples include life is hard and then you die, life is rough and then you die, and life is something I wouldn't say in church, then you die. According to the website Quote Investigator, the more vulgar version is apparently the first version that has been identified of the saying in such a pithy form, and appeared first in the Washington Post in 1982, having been uttered by a 15-year-old, describing the result of a discussion among her high school friends on the meaning of life. One might think this arises from some ancient Greek or Latin phrase, but nay, it seems in even the early phrases that allude to it to be more of a 20th century notion. It's prevalent enough that I'm sure you've heard it before, and I'd not be surprised if you can claim as I can to have uttered it at some point, whether seriously or sarcastically. But is that how you really feel? If so, I wouldn't be surprised. Life is hard, and lately life seems harder. No one has ever claimed that the American dream comes easily, right? Hard work is required to get from rags to riches, they claim. And then with high inflation, you're probably working hard just to tread water. As our work has become less physical, and as people embrace workism, that is trying to tying their identity to their job, people are working later in life rather than retiring. In knowledge fields, there's more to know. And therefore, the average age of gaining mastery in a subject has been steadily increasing. Hundreds of years ago, you could be the father of genetics just by proposing that genes existed or being particularly observant during the growing of your plants in your garden. And it isn't just knowledge fields. Take the world of sports. Tom Brady, Rafael Nadal, Serena Williams, all over 40. And the Rolling Stones are not having any trouble filling their arenas well into their 70s. And even though the pandemic offered some people more time when they were able, maybe briefly at most, to work remotely and no longer had a commute, did those people choose to spend it on themselves or their family? No, most people actually worked more. So many of us make ourselves slaves to our work. Oh, and speaking of the COVID pandemic, that sucked and still sucks. Thus, it seems that circumstances also often make our lives hard and that we have a propensity to make our lives hard. And we all, as Christians, know that we don't limit our efforts to undermine our joy to working extra hours, but that we fail to completely and definitively turn away from sin that damages our minds, bodies, and souls, damages our relationships with our families, friends, and coworkers, and the man and the woman on the street, and damages our relationship with the source of goodness and life, God himself. We are still slaves to sin, but the good news is that's not the way it's supposed to be. And that's where St. Paul picks up today in his epistle reading. We are debtors. In the ancient world, to be a debtor could mean you'd end up thrown in debtor's prison, where you'd stay until you could pay off your debt. Of course, that was a catch-22, since you'd never be able to pay off the debt. And if the husband of the family was the one that ended up in debtor's prison, then the family business tended to suffer, which led to further ruin. Many times you could only get out if you could secure outside funds to repay your debt. And St. Paul also uses slavery language here as he talks about the spirit of bondage. We know that by combining this passage with many others by St. Paul, before Christ we were slaves to sin. And we remain so if we, as St. Paul says today, live after the flesh instead of through the spirit. 
He tells us here that if we live after the flesh, we shall die. St. Paul, using debtor language in another place, says the famous phrase, for the wages of sin is death. Death is the consequence of our sin, as we know from the very first pages of Genesis. We are also slaves to death. That is, unless we are freed from our debt and our bondage. And how can we pay our debts and free ourselves from slavery? Well, much like the debtors in debtor prison or the slaves in the ancient world, we're not simply going to be able to do this by ourselves. We need an external benefactor. And of course, that benefactor is God. St. Paul tells us that to avoid death, we must mortify. Although we now tend to use that word to describe the actions of subduing our flesh by absence and discipline. Of course, we all can hear how mortify is related to death. Mortify, mor morbidity, morbid, murder, postmortem, moribund, mortal, and mortgage. I guess debt and death are pretty closely related. So what St. Paul is saying is that we must kill the deeds of the body so that we can live. Now, this is not some sort of platonic dualism in which St. Paul is rejecting our bodies as good and holy. Much like we don't tell our children that they are bad, but, they are, but that they are acting bad. And St. Paul here says as much. We must kill, mortify the deeds of the body, not the body, the deeds of the body. In fact, despite some taking Christ's words at face value and cutting off and plucking out a little too far, the church councils have been clear that Jesus was speaking in hyperbole and that we should not physically mutilate ourselves in order to avoid sinning. Instead, we must live through the Spirit. How? We must be led by the Spirit, as St. Paul says today. So are you listening to the Spirit or are you listening only to your flesh? How can you hear the Spirit better? Well, one way is by participating in the fasts of the church, which includes weekly abstaining from meat on Fridays. It's a simple thing to do. It's good for our environment, and more importantly, it's good for us, physically and spiritually. Even if I find myself chomping down some leftover chorizo tacos on Friday morning, as I did this week, it brings my mind back to God. Oops, that's not fast friendly, and gives me an opportunity to focus on what really matters. God, not what I put in my mouth. As Jesus himself says, it isn't what goes in our mouth that defiles us, but what comes out. I also hope that you practice honoring the Sabbath in some way. As Orthodox Christians, we don't have the strict rules that the Jews did and do on keeping the Sabbath. And of course, we now celebrate the Lord's Day Sunday. But the principle is still critical. And as Jesus says, the Sabbath was created for us, not the other way around. Keeping the Lord's Day or keeping at least a day of the week that you do not do servile work is critical to your health, mind, body, and soul. Again, it's a way that we are led by the Spirit. How often do people say that they keep themselves busy so that they don't have to think about whatever is bothering them? Is that you? Do you keep busy so you don't have to think about yourself or your neighbor or God? If so, you need to stop. You need to commit to taking a break from, from your work, whatever that is. We all quote unquote work. Maybe we have traditional jobs, maybe we don't. Maybe we have children, maybe we don't. Maybe we have pets, maybe we don't. Schools, whatever, we have work. Stopping and just saying the work, whatever it is, will be there tomorrow is what we are called to do. Why? Because if we don't, we will squeeze God out of our lives. So take time to be led by the Spirit. You can't do it if you're running around all the time like a chicken with its head cut off. 
Furthermore, St. Paul tells us, when we are led by the Spirit, we are adopted children of God. I think the word isn't just to mean that we are children of a parent whatever age we are, even though that's important too, as I'll explain in a moment. But I think here and elsewhere, we need to remember we are children in relation to, to God, whether we're 90 or nine years old. We are kids when it comes to God. We are silly. We need guidance. We get ourselves in trouble a lot. We need unconditional love. We need scolding, et cetera, et cetera. And we must enter the child state to be with God. We need to relax and let God provide for us. Fasting and resting and all we've talked about are part of that. Maybe the kids do a few chores, but they don't work. Although school these days has become pretty similar. Kids should have recess, playtime, etc. Our fasting and our Sabbath rest are our opportunities for us, no matter our age, to stop and to be children. When we're children, we're open to new experiences, we're open to listening to the voice of God, and we're open to someone else providing for us. And because we are children, we can call the ineffable God Abba, Daddy, and are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We all get the inheritance. God is infinite and beyond our understanding, and the wonderful news is that God wants to give us everything he is, so much so that he pursued us, chased after us, and he won't let us escape. Just like a good parent can never stop loving their children. But what we hear is not that the journey is all roses. Instead, we hear that we must suffer with Christ. We hear that life sucks. We don't hear that life sucks and then we die. No. We hear that life sucks that we might be glorified with him. We hear thanks be to God, not that life sucks and then we die, but life sucks and then we live. This is the promise of God to you, to me, and to all of us. Let the Spirit lead you away from sin and to a lack of care for the things of this world. Whether food or work or fame or fortune, honor the fast and honor the Sabbath rest and listen to God. And be not afraid to co-suffer with Christ. Indeed, expect nothing but suffering so that you can live and receive the boundless inheritance of God. Amen talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.